Today, as we look at the best thing that you can do for your kids, I want to begin today's message by, uh, by sharing some things that just cracked me up as I was reading this. Uh, I shared it with my wife, and she just cracked up as well. So before I dive into the message, just, just listen to uh, some of this and see if you can identify with it today. A mom preparing for birth. How many moms we got in here? Just slip your hand up real quick. Any mamas? All right. Got some moms in here. A mom preparing for birth. On the first baby, you practice your breathing religiously. The second baby, you don't bother practicing because you remember that the last time, breathing didn't do a thing anyways. The third baby, you ask for your epidural in the eighth month. (laughs) When it comes to the pacifier and and young couples having their first baby, if the pacifier falls on the floor, you put it away until you can go home and wash and boil it. The second baby, when the pacifier falls on the floor, you squirt it off with some juice from the baby's bottle. By the third baby, you wipe it off and on your shirt and pop it back in. When it comes to diapers and babies, the first baby, you change your baby's diaper every hour whether they need it or not. The second baby, you change their diaper every two to three hours if needed. By the third baby, you change the diaper when you see it sagging to the baby's knees. (laughs) Going out with, uh, when the parents go out without the kids, the first baby, the first time you leave your baby with a sitter, you call home five times. The second baby, just before you walk out the door, you remember to leave a number where you can be reached. By the third baby, you leave instructions for the sitter to call only if if she sees blood. (laughs) At home, on the first baby, you spend a good bit of every day just gazing at the baby. The second baby, you spend a bit of every day watching to be sure your older child isn't squeezing, poking, or hitting the baby. By the third baby, you spend a little bit of every day hiding from the children. (laughs) Raising kids in the 21st century. Parenting, and I I, I really think parenting and raising kids is a lot like the 100-meter relay. And, and I like track and field. I love the relays when they're sprinting and have to hand off the, the baton. And, and a good track coach would tell you that the relay is won or lost in the passing of the baton. Matter of fact, a miscalculation, a, a minor hesitation can cost the team the race. I mean, the passing of the baton is very critical to win the 100-meter relay. And friends, raising kids is a lot like the 100-meter relay because as parents, we have the huge responsibility of passing things on to our kids. That's one of our callings as parents is to pass things on to our kids. And I guess a great question to ask us today and for you to think about at the introduction of this message is, what are you passing on to your kids? What is it that you're passing on to the next generation 
Maybe uh, education is important to you. It's important in our family. And, and maybe you're, you're, you're setting aside a college fund, investing in a college fund because you want to pass that on to your kids so that they can go get their college education. Maybe you, you, you have a savings account and you, you have it and you want to pass it on to your kids. Maybe you've taken out some life insurance and, and if you pass away, you want to be sure to pass on some, some money to, to your kids. Maybe you have a trust and, and you want to pass the trust on to your your kids, maybe there's some valuable jewelry and, and you want to be sure to pass that on to your kids. Maybe it's a house or a, a car and, and you want to pass it on to your kids. And, and what a tragedy for us to pass everything on to our kids except Jesus. And if we're not careful, we can give our kids the entire world and we can pass it on to them. But when it comes to Jesus... We drop the baton, and the race is not finished. And our kids have a lot of stuff, but we didn't effectively pass on the most important thing that we can give to our kids, and that's a relationship with God Almighty. And today what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to talk to you about how do you pass on Jesus to your kids. How, how do you effectively pass on Jesus to the next generation? Point number one is this. You can follow along with me in your bulletin. There's a place for you to uh, take some notes and fill in the blanks there in your, in your handout there. N number one is this. You want to effectively pass on Jesus. You need to teach your kids about God. Teach your kids about God. God. Listen to what the scripture says. If you have a Bible, I'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Matter of fact, we'll be in Deuteronomy 6 for the remainder of the message. Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I, I love this portion of Scripture. It tells us how to teach our kids about God. And the first thing that you need to understand as you're following along in, in your notes there is you need to understand if you want to teach your kids about God, you need to realize that it's the parent's responsibility. It's the parent's responsibility to pass on Jesus to their kids. Notice what he says in Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 7. He says, and you shall, everybody say, you shall. So check this out. And you shall Teach parents, I'm talking to you, you shall, it's your responsibility, you shall teach them diligently to your children. It's your responsibility to teach them about God and how to love God and how to worship God and how to serve God. Teach them to your children. You know, I get in conversations with, with people and, and, and there are some parents that, that believe that they shouldn't impose their faith upon their kids. They said, well, you know, I don't really want to, I don't want to push that on my kids. I, I don't want to push faith upon, 
upon my kids. And, and whenever parents don't take the responsibility for teaching their kids about God, you, you know what happens? They're simply telling their kids that serving God is optional. Now, now going to school, you're going to go to junior high. <laughs> I'm going to make you go. It's not optional. You're going to get up and you're going to go to school. You're going to go to high school. It's not optional. Some parents with sports, you're going to be at the ball game. You're not missing practice. This is, you're going to gymnastics. This is important. It is not optional. But yet when it comes to faith, when it comes to the most important thing that we can pass on to our kids, some parents get, get real passive. And, and, and I have a conviction like Joshua had. In Joshua, in the book of Joshua, he said, For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not optional. It's for me and it's for my entire house. I have a conviction. I'm going to pass on God to my kids. It's for me and my entire house. We are going to serve the Lord. And, and, and I have a conviction that the most important thing that we can give to our kids is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to pass on my faith to my kids. And parents, please, please understand when it comes to teaching our kids about God, we can't delegate that responsibility. It can't be delegated. There are, are some parents that, that think I can delegate that responsibility. Matter of fact, my wife was, was talking to someone recently, and, and they told her, they said, well, we, we don't teach our, our kids about God in our home. That's why we send them to this Christian school, and, and we pay for them to go to the school because that's where they're going to learn about faith. And, and those parents are under the reasoning and thought that they can delegate that responsibility. And, and some people think, well, well, the grandparents, they love the, they love the Lord. And so, so when the kids are around the grandparents, they'll hear about the Lord and they'll hear about faith. And, and parents think they can delegate that responsibility. And I think the biggest way that, uh, that, that we can fall into this trap of delegating this responsibility is we fall into the trap of thinking that's the church's responsibility. And, and the church will teach my kids all they need to know about the Lord. And the church does have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to partner with you to help reinforce what you teach your kids at home. But there's no way that we can replace you. We can partner with you, but not replace you. There are 168 hours in a week. We get your kid maybe for an hour a week, maybe two, for some an hour every other week at church. And there's no way we can replace the other 167 hours that you have your kids and they're in different environments. And it's your responsibility as a parent that you can't delegate this great responsibility of passing on Jesus to our, our kids. There, there, there's a second thing that I want you to see about teaching our kids about the Lord. No, number two is this. If you want to effectively teach your kids about the Lord, number two is this. You have to have a plan of action. A plan of of action. You see, parents, we have to plan to teach our kids about the Lord. The scripture says in Deuteronomy 6, look back with me in verse 7, he says, and you shall teach them diligently. I love the word diligently. I mean, when it comes to faith, when it comes to God, we ought to be diligent about it. D diligently teach your children. Now, notice the plan he lays out. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. I mean, talk about the Lord when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, when you're on a walk and you're walking to the 
store, you're walking here, and in our culture, in our day and age, that would be when you're driving to the store, and you're driving to, to the ball game, and you're driving to school. Talk about the Lord. And when you lie down, he says, listen, at nighttime before you sleep, talk about the Lord. He says, and when you rise in the morning, he says, first thing, talk about the Lord. You say, Pastor, that's sure a lot of God in the house, and I like that because you can't go wrong with God. Amen. God in the morning, God at night, God when we walk, God when we sit on the couch. Let's talk about the Lord because you can't go wrong with the Lord. And here is what the writer is driving home in Deuteronomy. Here's what he's driving home. He's simply saying teaching our kids about God has to be intentional. It will not happen by accident. You must have a plan. And, and I wish I could sit with some of you today that have a plan for teaching your kids about God and glean some things from you today. I know that I would learn a lot. But I want to share with you just a few things that Tiffany and I do. The, the plan that we've put together, and maybe it will help you. It would spark some ideas in your heart. It would be a catalyst for you to start having a plan to teach your kids about God in, in your home. Here are some things that we do. We pray to the Lord before and give thanks for our meals before we eat. Um, and we eat dinner together four or five nights around the dinner table at home. And, and we always pray and give thanks for our meals. Um, we read Bible stories to our kids. We have small kids. And there's some wonderful material. You can go to Mardell's or a Christian bookstore, pick up some wonderful, wonderful material. You have teenagers. You can get teenage Bible for your kids. I know Shelby, when his kids were in the house, he had devotional time with, with his teenagers and spent some time in the morning just meditating and talking about the things of, of the Lord. Since I have little kids, we, we get little Christian videos to show our kids. We, they got VeggieTales, and they, they talk about Bible stories. And I've watched a lot of VeggieTales. VeggieTales, VeggieTales, VeggieTales. VeggieTales! Oh, well, I'm good by now. I got, I, I'm good at VeggieTales. Uh, part of our plan in our home is we talk about God's blessing to our kids constantly. I want our kids to have a real conviction that you know, everything that we have comes from God. And God's been good to us. And God's blessed us. And the peace you sense in our home, that's because of God. And the love you sense here, that's because of God. And the things that God has provided us, that, that has come from the hand of the Lord. And we, we quickly and often talk about how, how God has blessed our home and His hands upon our life. We, we pray for each other in the Cooper household. When somebody's sick, we, 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 lift the, we go to the Lord in prayer. If one of the kids are sick, we, we pray for them. If, if Tiffany and I are sick, we'll, we'll pray for one another. And we'll do it right there in front of the kids because we want our kids to know, listen, God's a God that answers prayer. God's a God of the miraculous. God's not a God you just thank and praise in the good times, but when things are bad, you can turn to the Lord. And you, you can look to the Lord, and we, we, we model that for our kids. I think one of the most important things that, that we've done in our house is at nighttime, when we put the kids down for bed, we pray for them. And I, I pray for my little daughter first, and we pray for her, and we lay her down, and the boys are, are talking pretty good. And so I prayed for Cade first, and I pray for him, and, and, then, and then I ask him who he wants to pray for. And every night, they pick a friend or pick somebody to pray for. And it's amazing how those little kids can pray. And I, I, we'll go to our next son, and... We pray for him, and then I ask Kel, Kel, who do you want to pray for? Man, they pray for, it's amazing what comes to their mind. They pray for little friends, and they, they pray for issues. Sometimes he says, I want to pray for everybody. I pray for everybody. And, and, and they pray in Jesus' name. And, and, and what a wonderful thing to implement in, in our homes. One of the things that, that we have implemented part of the plan in the Cooper House is that we attend church regularly. 
And I know you say, Pastor, you have to do that. Well, I understand that, but I would do that if I wasn't a pastor. Because I want my kids to be in church hearing about the Word of God. And I think one of the wonderful things, check this out. Most places you go, they don't reinforce your values. They don't. Take them here, take them there, take them this. There's everything else going on. And what a great time every week that you can take your kids to a place that, that, that will reinforce the Word of God, reinforce how to live for God. We want to help reinforce and partner with you. You know, when my kids become teenagers, it won't be optional to go to youth service. They, they will go because I want them in an environment with other teenagers that are living for God, with, with, with good Christian environment, where my values, the Word of God, and the values are being reinforced. And, and that's going to be a part of our plan. It's a part of our plan now, and we'll continue to be a part of our, pl- our, ki- our plan to teach our kids about the things of God. There is a, a second thing that I want to share with you today about passing on Jesus to our kids. Now, number two is this. If you want to pass Jesus to your kids, you need to live your life for God. You need to live your life for God. Moses wanted the parents to know God before they taught God to their children. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter four, chapter 6, verse 4. This is just a few verses earlier. I've been teaching to you out of verse 7, but just go a few verses earlier to Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall... Listen, parents. Listen, leaders. You shall... Love the Lord your God. Before you teach them diligently to your children and talk to them when you sit in the house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and rise up, the first thing that you have to do is, parents, you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words which I command you this day shall be upon your heart. Listen, parents, before we can give it to our kids, it first has to be upon our heart. And Moses says, parents... You want to teach your kids about God? Hey, first of all, you've got to live your life for the Lord. You have to be an example of what it means to be a follower of Christ. You have to set the example. You have to set the bar. You have to be the role model for your kids of what it means to live for Jesus Christ. It reminds me of, of a cute story. There was a young boy who asked his father. He said, Daddy, what's a Christian? What's a Christian? The daddy replied, A Christian is a person who loves and obeys God. He loves his friends, his neighbors, and even his enemies. He's kind and gentle and prays a lot. He looks forward to going to heaven and thinks that knowing God is better than anything on earth. That son is a Christian. The boy then asked, Daddy, have I ever seen a Christian? I don't want to be guilty of giving my kids a definition of a Christian rather than an example of a Christian. And whether you realize it or not, you're being watched. Parents, you're being watched. Future parents, you will be. You'll be watched. You have to understand that the things that you model by design or by accident powerfully communicate your convictions about morality and immorality, about right and wrong. And if you want to pass on Jesus to your kids, if you want to pass on biblical values to your kids, you must first of all model it for them. Before it's upon their heart, it has to be upon 
your heart. Our kids are, are watching us, and it's amazing what kids pick up. And uh, I have my little kids and, and watching my kids, and it's amazing how they want to be like Tiffany and I. And, and the things that they say and the things that they do. They have these little play cell phones, and they walk around talking on their little cell phones all the time. And kind of, I thought, where'd they get that from? I don't know where they got that from. It's amazing. My, my, my kids, uh, they see me, and I, I sit around the house sometimes, and I'm working on my sermon and preparing the weekend's message. And, and my little boys got in a little phase, and they have these little play toy laptops, and they were pecking away one day on their laptops. And I said, son, what's it, what are y'all doing? He, they, they said, well, we're working on our sermon, Daddy, working on our sermon. Yeah, oh, I said, mm, working on your sermon, huh? And it's amazing how, how they follow our example. It, it, it was it was kind of humorous to me. One one day, Kel he was he was uh, he asked his mom one morning. Tiffany told me about this, and I just cracked up. He he, he came up to his mom and he said, "Mom, what's hurting on you today?" Huh? Yeah, mom, what's hurting on you today? Well, Tiffany is pregnant with our fourth kid, and she said, well, "My back's kind of bothering me." And so Kel he began to pray for mom, and he said, "Lord, help mommy's back feel better right now, right now in Jesus' name." And, and, and you know where he got that? In the bathroom one Sunday morning, we were in the bathroom getting ready for church, and, and the kids got up, and they were in the bathroom. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but, you know, they were wrestling on the floor or something, and some, one of them got hurt. And, and so Kel went to pray for Cade. And he said, Lord, help Cade feel better tomorrow. And I looked back, and I said, you don't want him to feel better right now for church? You know, he goes, Lord, Help Kate feel better right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. And ever since then, it's right now, Lord. Help him feel better right now. Touch my friends. I mean, if you need prayer today, let me call my kid up for you. He'll pray, boy. Right now, Jesus. I mean, not tomorrow, folks. Boy's got some faith. I mean, it's amazing how kids. You know, one of the things that, that, that touched my heart is Kel said, you know, when I grow up, I, I want to. I want to go to the church like Daddy and work and have a bunch of meetings. And I guess that's what he thinks I do, you know. As a matter of fact, Kel, he, he told Tiffany and I that he has pastors. He has five pastors. I can't remember their names because his names are, he said, I said, what's your, your pastor's names? Chuku, Chima, and I'm like, whoo, boy, where are you getting these names from? And, and he, he told Tiffany one day, he said, he said, you know, when I grow up, Mommy, I want to get married. And I want to have five kids. And I thought, I did too before I had you. Amen. Uh, I had three, and the last kid was, oops, there it is. Amen. That wasn't planned. I'm going to tell you what. But I love my kids. Love my kids. But I thought I wanted five too. And it's amazing how kids, he sees our, the value of family and how we put time in our family. Family, that he wants, he, he values that as a little kid. I think the thing that touches my heart the most is I watch my little kids, all three of them do this. And it melts my heart. And we're a very affectionate family and very vocal about expressing our feelings to one another. And all three of my kids at times will just look at me and they'll say, Daddy, I love you. I love you, Daddy. And they'll come and they'll give me a hug and it melts my heart. And you know where they get that from? They got that from watching us. You see, parents, future parents, you want your kids not to lie and steal then you don't lie and steal. You want your kids to live a godly lifestyle? Then you live a godly lifestyle.
you want your kids to live by biblical convictions and by biblical guidelines, then, then you live by biblical guidelines. You want your kids to, to love their future spouse, you love your spouse. You want your kids not to have hostility and anger and flying off the handle, and you don't have hostility in your heart and fly off the handle. And you, you want your kids to be a man of God, a woman of God, then you be a man of God and a woman of God. Because whether you realize it or not, your kids, even your grandkids, they want to be just like you. Very sobering thought. And some of you in this place today, you're here and you're thinking, Pastor, man, I've blown it. I've blown it and I've messed up and I don't know what to do. My kids are teenagers. My kids are grown. I haven't passed on Jesus to my kids. I don't know. Listen to me. It's not too late. You, you can have a second chance. You, you can have a second chance and get your life on fire for God and be able to pass it on to you. It's not too late. Listen, you're, 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 you're an adult and, and you've got grandkids. Your kids are, it's not too late. You can give your heart to God, get on fire for God, and, and your grown kids can see the difference God is making in your life. And you can pass it on to your kids or grandkids. It's not too late, parents. Your kids are teenagers and, and you have not taught them the value of knowing God and living for God, the value of, of being committed to a local church. And, and you say it's too late. It's not too late. You can give your heart to Christ. You can get on fire for God. You can get sold up to the things of God. And, and you can begin to pass that on to your teenage kids. It's not too late. I'm talking to some of you in this place today. You haven't had kids yet. And I want to keep you from a pitfall. I want to encourage you to get on fire for God. Serve God. Live for God. Honor God. Because when you have kids, I want you to be able to pass on the most important thing to your kids. And that's to give them Jesus. And see, Easter's all about a second chance. You see, that, that's what it's all about. God looked down on earth and he saw a sin-sick place full of chaos and, and, and wickedness. And God said, they need a second chance. And so he sent his son, Jesus, his only son, who was born through a virgin Mary. And, and Jesus, because we needed a second chance, he lived a perfect and and sinless life. He's the only one that could pay the price for our sins. And he hung on the cross of Calvary because humanity needed a second chance. And, and he hung there and he bled and, and he died because we needed a second chance. And they took Jesus off that cross and they put him in a tomb and Friday went by, and Saturday went by, and early that third day morning, the, the power of God hit Jesus, and, and Jesus rose again from the dead with all power in his hands, and you and I today can have a second chance and experience God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, and God's forgiveness. And I want to invite you, I want to invite you, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to know him personally, to give him your heart and your life. And I want you to have Jesus, that you have something of great value to pass on to your kids, to your grandkids, to your neighbors. Pass it on, Jesus. Lord, I love you. 
I thank you today that you're here.